Okay, so I, I mean, I, I figure we'll just do it sort of like we did with the uh, the trailer episode, except I won't play the entire goddamn cartoon on the podcast. What I did is I have the intro music for each of them. Cool. Yeah, with the exception of the Schoolhouse Rocks, because it's only a few minutes long, I'm just going to play it. Yeah. I was also going to do Max, but it turns out there's some racist shit in there. Oh, heck yeah. Where they talk about doing rain dances, and I thought, I can't put that in there. <laughs> like, and I'll say that. But uh, but Interplanet Janet, which is my favorite, um, I'll just put it all in. It's, uh, it's the one that teaches you the names of all the planets. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I'll include that because it's all of three minutes long. But the others, I mean, you could literally find these on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and we'll just, I figure we'll just sort of, I'll intro, we'll talk a little bit about it. I've got the sort of vital statistics on the shows, not the episodes, because how would you ever find the budget or the premiere date for a particular episode? Good luck. But I got like the years and who made them and, and things like that. Uh, and then we'll watch the episode and we can talk about it. So sounds good. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you ready to go? Indeed. where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron, and today for this special episode, I'm joined by, well, I won't say you're not special, but you're a regular co-host, Heather. My mom says I'm special. My mom says I'm special too, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's the way it works. That's one thing 80s kids learned, right? The idea for this episode started because you wanted me to hunt down a series you hadn't seen in a thousand years called Visionaries. Yeah. And I said, we should do an episode of like nothing but 80s cartoons. And you were totally up for that. So, hey, let's do an episode of nothing but 80s cartoons. The one difference that our listeners will note is that these aren't necessarily cartoons made in the 80s. These are the cartoons we watched in the 80s because a good third of them are somewhat older than that. Um, yeah. You 60s know, and 70s, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it's notable because when we were kids, you know, you saw the if you saw a movie in the theaters, great. Otherwise, you went and saw it in a video you know, from a video store or Super Channel. But chances are you were watching movies from the 80s. But with cartoons, like the earlier, like when you I'm not sure what time you woke up, but I was, you know, I was giving up like five o'clock. Believe it or not, I watched the news. Yes, I was a weird kid. Bob Schieffer on CBS. He did the morning news. And then it's around six o'clock, five thirty six. They would start the cartoons and they'd start with the older ones. Mighty Hercules, uh, though in Calgary that was uh, a day, like a weekday cartoon. But there was Rocket Robin Hood and Scooby Doo, Where Are You? Which we're going to do today. A lot of these older ones, they just showed them earlier. And the new yeah. stuff, you, you know, the new stuff you got into seven or eight o'clock when they knew all the kids would be up. Yeah, we go. I'm noticing your shirt there, by the way. D and D, the complete animated series. It's a cool damn shirt. It's a good <laughs> yeah. series. Of course, we did we did a whole episode. We already did that one though. Yeah. So. But, I mean, there's so many. We could probably do 10 episodes. Easy, I think, okay. if we went through everything. I mean, I had a hard time knocking it down to just, you know, I think we're doing, what, seven today 
and another five, so that's 12. So it's technically three each. I had trouble whittling it down to my three for this episode. Me you too. Know. Yeah. Um, pick, your, pick your three favorite. I'm like, um, Saturday. So for our younger viewers, there used to be this thing called Saturday morning cartoons where, you know, you'd get up, the kids would get up early and all the major networks ran cartoons till I'd say about noon ish is usually when you'd get the kid oriented live action shows, which were always garbage. They'd kick in, but the cartoons were early in the morning. And in the eighties, let's be honest, half of these were toy commercials. Like GI Joe was a toy commercial. And then you'd break for commercials and you'd watch, well, G.I. Joe toy commercials and commercials for comic books. And, you know, <laughs> it, it was nothing but commercials. It's funny because G.I. Joe, like, because that's the first one we're going to do. Um, it was all created by this guy named Larry Hama, who you ever see MASH? Did you watch that show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So do you remember the episode where these two North Koreans pretend to be South Korean medics asking for supplies and Frank Burns gets in the Jeep with them and they eventually stop the car and say, get out, you're driving us nuts. <laughs> Why did we stop? Get out. Why? Something wrong with the Jeep? Oh, don't tell me we're out of gas. We are past the checkpoint and we don't need you anymore. Besides, you're driving us crazy, and we don't need a hostage that badly. Get out. What do you mean? You simpleton. We are North Koreans. Honest engine? Don't hurt me! I'll tell you anything you want to know! Get out of the Jeep! You're not going to torture me? Or anything? Some other time. Go back to your camp. It's the best thing you could do for our side. So one of the... One of those actors is Larry. He did a brief stint as an actor, but mostly he wound up at Marvel Comics. And because he was at the bottom of the totem pole, when Hasbro came up with the six-inch line of G.I. Joe figures, which was purely because there was an oil shortage, and so making 12-inch plastic G.I. Joes like they had in the 60s was just was uneconomical. Uh, they made this new series, they created all these characters, and they essentially gave this guy a long weekend to come up with the bios for all the original G.I. Joe and Cobra characters. And he did. It's all on him. And then he wrote like the first 85 episodes or first 85 issues of the comic. So this is all Larry. And it was all about selling toys. Like the whole damn thing was about selling toys, which I'm totally fine with. Um, oh, yeah. Was was G.I. Joe your thing as a kid? Were you into that? Not as much. Um, we were more high fantasy than war games. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was never fantasy was never my thing. It's still not my thing, as you know. Uh, as I look at my D&D Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master's Guide, and Curse of Strahd. But okay. Um, yeah, I know. I'm looking behind you. you. You have many more than me. And then I have Shadowrun, which is cyberpunk and fantasy. And then I've got two Warhammer 40k books, which are science fiction and fantasy. But okay, I don't do fantasy. But G.I. Joe was always my jam as a kid. Like, I am not embarrassed to say it is one of two reasons I joined the army, the other being MASH. Honest to yeah. God, that's part huh. of the reason. Yeah. I loved it, and I had all the G.I. Joe stuff. I've got the G.I. Joe core rule book, which I think we'll talk about after we watch the episode. But, yeah, these these cartoons were pretty rocking. Um, yeah, like, we watched it, and we knew yeah. who they were, but we never we never bugged for those toys. We, oh, okay. We had other favorites. Fair enough. What were your favorites, then? Dungeons & Dragons. Um, Dungeons & Dragons, yeah. But that was only one year. Okay. Yeah. A lot of the short-lived ones, we, we like... Um, 
Gummy Bears. It changed. Um, yeah. Battle of the Planets, enduring favorite. Um, I haven't I haven't seen it since I was probably twelve. Okay, actually, so, that's a good example because that one came out in the uh, late seventies. Yeah. So let's start with a GI Joe episode. I have it marked as episode thirty nine. I, I their episodes were so or their their seasons were so weird. They stretched out over years. But just to give, I'll give you the vital statistics in advance. So G.I. Joe, a real American hero, played between 1983 and 86. It had 95 episodes and it was it was a Hasbro production. And it was like the actual cartoon was a joint production between Marvel Productions, because Marvel, of course, did the comic and Sunbow Productions. And we're going to bump into them a couple of times, including Transformers in the next episode. So this is episode 39 the Viper is coming. You can find all these on YouTube, but I will include the theme music. So let's go ahead and watch The Viper is Coming. Yo, Joe! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra the Enemy. Fighting to save the day. Never gives up, he's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe! G.I. Joe's there! G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose? To defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Up, he'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Okay, so yeah, that episode. I chose that episode because it's it's goofy as hell, right? Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's funny when these came out on DVD like 15 years ago. I bought them and I thought, wow, they just don't hold up. These are just bad. But I went through them, like all of them in the last month or so. And, you know, once you accept just how goofy this show is, you know, they're, they're, it's just, it's fun. Cobra Commander's an idiot, and they're always going to fight each other, and Cobra Commander's always going to lose in the end because they simply can't be allowed to win. Yeah. Um, you know, and as we noted, no one ever dies. No one's ever even, I mean, very rarely are they even badly injured. And mostly that was because, you know, parents groups freaked out about violence in cartoons and violence on TV. So everyone always bails out. Yeah. Like it was like, do you ever see GI Joe, the movie? Um, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's, yeah. It's awful. And remember Duke is shot and he goes into a coma. And at the very end, he wakes up. They actually plan to kill him, but the death of Optimus prime was such a backlash in transformers, the movie that uh, the movies were made more or less at the same time, but they were released six months apart and they had time to go back and edit in the line, the t just two lines, which was he slipped into a coma as opposed to he's dead. And then at the very end, hey, good news, Duke's come out of his coma. But they were the whole idea was to knock him off so that they could give priority to other characters. That's all Transformers was. Yeah. Right. You know, it's funny. Um, I got to the end of this show, to the later episodes. And as a kid, I didn't like them. and I'd stopped watching. And, and I, all these decades, I thought, well, maybe it's because, you know, I was getting older and. G.I. Joe wasn't my jam anymore. I was interested in, you know, like girls and things like that. But I was watching them actually just last week. And no, they actually like they got worse. The writing got worse. The characters got worse. Some of the characters were just outright mean. Like the one thing about all these G.I. Joe characters is they're all people you'd probably want to sit with. 
Yeah. You know, like yeah. they're all nice people. Yeah, I would go for a coffee with any one of them. Yeah. Like they all seem like they're fun. Like they're goofy and they do silly shit, but you get the impression they're all nice people who like each other. But then they introduce this wackadoo characters like Leatherneck, who's this, you know, buttoned up Marine. He's just an asshole. And Sci-Fi, their new laser trooper, he's an asshole. And Lifeline, who's this pacifist medic, he's fine, but he never shuts the fuck up about that. He's a pacifist. You know, and it's like the characters got uninteresting and the writing got bad. So it turns out. Yeah, they tried to make it something it wasn't. Yeah. Just being fun and goofy. Yeah. Like the comic was always much more serious. The comic dealt with. PTSD and the way Vietnam veterans felt when they came home. My first, my first issue of the comic was like 45 or 46. I just remembered I had the picture of the Grim Reaper with a machine gun. And it was all about this one soldier who, uh, who served with Stalker and Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes in Vietnam and was a POW and came home and was spat upon, you know, uh, which was essentially a trope that hippies spat on, you know, Vietnam veterans, which who knows if it ever actually happened, but it was a very serious story about how he could not readjust to civilian life after years in the army and then as a POW and wound up being suckered in by Cobra. That resonates today. How many people were suckered in by, well, Trumpism because they came back from the army and there was no reintegration from them after tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. They were not treated well, all these sorts of things. Like, it was serious. Like Larry had created some serious ideas, but the cartoon was never that. It was always goofy as shit. Yeah. And this one, the Viper is coming. Like I said, I chose it because it's a controversial episode because it's a shaggy dog story. And I think people give it a hard time, but in fact, it's, it's just as goofy as any of the others. It's just yeah, extra no, goofy. It's, yeah. it's just extra goofy, but it's cool. Like, it, <laughs> and, and you didn't punch me. So I, I think well, we'll call that one a win. So the next one was your choice. And it's called Visionaries, Knights of the Magical Light. I chose the episode The Age of Magic Begins, part one of three. It was a three-part pilot. This, this show played in 1987. It only survived 13 episodes. It was also made by Hasbro and Sunbow Animation, which is why it looks and sounds just like G.I. Joe. Because it was made, yeah. it was made by the same people, and it's. I mean, the whole idea around this cartoon was holographic stickers, right? Yeah. We actually burned a couple of Christmas presents on these ones. Yeah, see, I I'm not sure if I ever owned any of them. I mean, I like the one guy who's like an archer, but he doesn't actually an archer himself. He carries around like a standard, but instead yeah. of a flag, it's the sticker, and the sticker is an archer. And I thought that's cool, but it's so obvious. Like it's all about selling toys, like these. These these weird ass post apocalyptic Mad Max with magic vehicles are like they're toys and they're not meant to be anything but toys. Well, you yeah. got to tell me what you think about this show because this is your choice, not mine. I love this show. Uh, let's watch it first though because I haven't seen it in like <laughs> okay, <laughs> 30, I haven't seen it either. So thirty years or something. Yeah. Okay, so you ready to go? Yeah. yeah. It is a time when magic is more powerful than science, and only those who control the magic control destiny. They are the visionaries. So, yeah. is it as good as you remember it? Yes! 
I would still go out and buy all the toys right now. Oh, it's so lame. It, you know, it, it's funny. I, I the toy I, I remember sort of got my attention, but the show like that was just lame. But it gets I better. mean, I mean that was the pilot. Part one of three, in fact. But <laughs> I, well, uh, it get, okay, it gets a little bit better. <laughs> okay. Um, so did you play with these toys? Like, did you, or was it just sort of a one and done or were you into this? Well, it was, it was one of the things we played. I yeah. mean, in between He-Man and Transformers. And... That's our next episode. Yeah. Um, like... yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's so obvious, like the, it's all the same actor, voice actors. It's the same animation style. It's Sunbow Entertainment. It's the same as G.I. Joe. Oh um, yeah. Though I, I noted, I noted while we were watching it it's a little more advanced like they got a little better at it yeah we wanted to to turn into a lion and battle for good like we 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 wanted to turn into a cheetah and be faster than everyone now as i recall it didn't include like the actual animal it was just the figure and the sticker on it right the holographic sticker like like the, yeah, dude no, the no, lion. it's just the guy with the sticker and the staff right right and then you could get the vehicles too right which comes later but it didn't come with the actual animal itself no no, okay. Yeah, you know, even as a kid, I recognized it was a cool idea, but it seemed to come and go so quickly. And yeah, go figure, it lasted all of thirteen episodes. Was that a really uh, shitty time? It was. A, it was. It was right when swimming lessons started, <laughs> so I almost never got to see it. Yeah. So if they had like it, it got a bad time slot. Yeah. Like it was the it was the last one before swimming lessons, and we never got to see all of it. Right. Except occasionally, there'd be like a rerun or something. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, I guess, maybe a lot of people, you know, the youngins don't appreciate is that if you wanted to watch a show, you had to catch it. And if you missed it, you, you'd eventually find it again. But you had no way of knowing which one was coming. Like when you got the TV guide, it didn't say, say G.I. Joe episode number five in the title. It just said G.I. Joe. Yeah. And, Two o'clock G.I. Joe. Yeah, pretty much. And if you remember the order, you might be able to say, OK, I know this one's coming up, so two showings from now is the one I want. But we were not like, that smart. No, and and like and, I, and we weren't in charge of our own schedule. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're kids. We I mean, like you said, like uh, there was snow, and then the test pattern, and then Max, the two thousand year old mouse, yeah. and then Rocket Robin Hood. Yeah, <laughs> and then the good ones. Yeah. I, hey, I love Rocket Robin Hood. I actually watched a bunch of those recently, and you know what? They're not bad. Like, they're very 60s, but I okay. like them. Um, they're very, very cool. So, but after about 1030, like, then then you don't, you're not in charge anymore, and you got to go where your parents tell you. Yeah, see, I was lucky. My parents more or less left me alone on the weekends. Like, I didn't have swimming lessons until, unless we, like, we had them in school. But I wasn't and never have been interested in, like, athletic stuff. So, you know, the, the like they they offered like if I had said hey I want swimming lessons they would have taken me but um, we were given swimming lessons in junior in elementary school and then again in grade ten and that was good enough because I didn't like I wasn't into athletic stuff so it was yeah. and and we all were yeah. we had soccer practice and hockey practice and swimming lessons and yeah get off like, your ass and mow the grass and it snowed again and you've been uh, you've been sitting here for too long and it's dad's turn for the TV so go outside. Yeah, we were like my, I mean, I remember having fights with my parents over that. Like they'd want me like, why don't you go out and play with your friends? Like, just leave me alone. I'm happy with my GI Joes or whatever. Like I was, my sister would, you know, the standard 1980s thing, you know, come home when the, when the streetlights turn on. Oh, yeah. um, 
you know, long before, long before there was, uh, you know, cell phones. Well, they were, but certainly we didn't have them. They were bricks. But for me, I was always just sort of happy to stay home. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, because G.I. Joe was my thing. Like I had like my closet was a base that went as tall as I was because I would use like my mother learned don't ever throw out. This is before recycling. Don't ever throw out Kleenex boxes. Don't ever throw out toilet paper or um, uh, paper towel rolls. And I built I built these ultra complex bases. Cool. Um, you remember the uh, the uh, Mandarin orange boxes? Oh, those were the best. The crates. Yeah, I you I had those. I mean, there were times like by the time I had the end of grade six, I, I had filled the closet. I had I built the pit. Wow. You know. And so toys like this, I think probably I would have wanted one of these, but we never really saw them anywhere. And I never really, like 1987, I was already, it was 87, right? Yeah, 1987. So I was already at the tail end of grade six, and my parents were way more hesitant about buying me toys. Mm -hmm. Um, They kind of had the idea that, well, you're in junior high, therefore you should very suddenly on a dime turn, and your interests should be other stuff. I don't know about you, but I I didn't work that way. You know, well, our our dad was a giant nerd anyway, so we didn't yeah. really have to explain it. Um, yeah. Like he wanted the toys, and he was forty or whatever the heck he was. Yeah. So he was he was kind of on our side. We just didn't have any money, and like that's fair. Seven seven kids laying around a very small living room got to uh, terminal velocity really fast, and all of a sudden, the grownups would be saying, "Why are you inside?" Yeah, no, that's so fair. We, yes, we were outdoor kids because. You had no choice. Yeah, see, it was just my sister and I, and because I never, ever got along with my sister, like, not ever, like, not even today, she went off and did her thing, and I often had to be forced out of the house, and I just didn't want to go. But a lot of it was, by this point, I think I had sort of given up on toys. I mean, there's a few G.I. Joes I bought after that, but I was kind of like, I mean, I remember the Rambo toys and all the, like, the random stuff, but I was kind of done with it by that point. So the next one that we're going to do, and we're actually going to include the entire audio for this because it's like three minutes long, is called, it's from a series called Schoolhouse Rocks. Specifically, we're going to do my favorite one. It's called Interplanet Janet. So this show, I was actually shocked to discover there were two runs of it. The first was 1973 to 1984. There were 40 episodes and they covered multiplication, grammar, American history, and science. And from 1993 to 1996, they revived it. And they did a whole thing on computers, one on money, and one on environmentalism. And these were made, the idea for the Schoolhouse Rocks came from a a couple of ad executives in New York City who thought, why aren't we educating kids? Like, you know, the the great hope of TV was, why aren't we educating, right? And so in the 70s, they came up with this idea of these two or three minute musicals that taught kids things. So you'd have your cartoon until 7.55 and there'd be five minutes of commercials. So they went to ABC and said, well, why don't we reserve three minutes for this? Remember, I, I posted on um, on Facebook a while ago that commercial for the hunk of cheese, uh, hankering yeah. for a hunk of cheese. Hankering for a hunk of cheese. Yep. Bang, bang, bang! Oh, howdy, partner! Time for timer. Do you ever get that hungry feeling after school? Boy, I do. I'm so hungry I could eat a wagon wheel. When I'm slow on the draw and I need something to chaw, I hanker for a hunk of cheese. When my ten-gallon hat's a feeling five gallons flat, I got something planned, which is little cheese sandwiches. Come on! 
Here's a great little snack to tide you over till dinner. If you want something delicious and nutritious, cheese is a super snack. Look, a wagon wheel. When my get up and go has got up and went, I hanker for a hunk of cheese. When I'm dancing, I hold down and my boots kind of slow down. Or any time I'm weak in the knees. I hanker for a hunk of, a slab or slice a chunk of. A snacker is a winner and yet won't spoil my dinner. I hanker for a hunk of cheese. Yahoo! I almost had a stroke when I saw that on, on Twitter. And then, I, you know, and, and it's like there were these educational commercials on how to eat right and and schoolhouse rock they were amazing i remember like I mean, when they came out on dvd i know a lot of teachers who ran out and bought them i know a high school english teacher who still uses them the I, grammar know I, I know how an american bill gets passed into law because yeah. it's schoolhouse rock there's also a great uh, simpsons parody of that one how a, uh, how a bill becomes a law all this garbage on the steps of Congress. I'm not garbage. I'm an amendment to be, yes, an amendment to be. And I'm hoping that they'll ratify me. There's a lot of flag burners who have got too much freedom. I want to make it legal for policemen to beat them. Cause there's limits to our liberties. Please I hope and pray that there are Cause those liberal freaks go too far. Why can't we just make a law against flag burning? Because that law would be unconstitutional. But if we change the Constitution... Then we could make all sorts of crazy laws. Now you're catching on. What the hell is this? It's one of those campy 70s throwbacks that appeals to Generation Xers. We need another Vietnam to thin out their ranks a little. What if people say you're not good enough to be in the Constitution? Then I'll crush all opposition to me And I'll make Ted Kennedy pay If he fights back, I'll say that he's gay Good news, Amendment, they ratified ya You're in the U.S. Constitution Oh, yeah! Doors open, boys! <laughs> so this one's pretty cool. It's Interplanet Janet. Uh, so let's just go ahead and watch it. They say our solar system is centered round the sun. Nine planets large and small parading by. But somewhere out in space, there's another shining face. You might see some night up in the sky. Sun. It's a lot of fun. It's a hot spot. It's a gas. Hydrogen and helium in a big bright glowing mass. It's a star. It's a star. So can it got an autograph? Mercury was near the sun, so Janet stopped by. But the mercury on Mercury was much too high. So Janet split for Venus, but on Venus she found she couldn't see. Kinda green and inviting, so Janet thought she'd give it a go. But the creatures on that planet looked so very weird to Janet, she didn't even dare to say hello. 
Believe it or not, this is the most emotionally significant cartoon we're going to talk about in this or any other episode. Really? And I, I don't was know. going to lead with Uranus as a gas giant. Yeah. So you go ahead with your <laughs> emotional significance. I hate you. For whatever reason, despite the fact that Interplanet Janet always looks so happy in this cartoon, I always found it deeply melancholy, the idea of this robot whatever who wanders the galaxy and doesn't has doesn't have a home and sees everything but doesn't feel at home anywhere and that is 40 years of my brain doing its own thing maybe it's the music i don't know but it's i find it deeply melancholy and i love it i don't know why but much different child than i was i'm a weird kid what can i say i know that's surprising to you but you know it, it just for whatever reason i was always very taken not so much by the list of planets, because by the time I saw this, I could list them all no problem, including the proper, you know, pronunciation of Uranus, which is not that. They but, didn't say it properly in the cartoon. I yeah. I always, for me, I always focused on Interplanet Janet herself, but all of these, they're all so good. And you actually learn grammar. You actually learn American history. You actually learn science. You'd think, well, okay, you're not learning a lot here other than the names, but you really are. You're learning something about every one of these planets. Yep. You're learning the details of what's in the sun, helium and hydrogen. Like, yeah, you know, like that's you think. OK, so what? But you got to remember, these are like five year olds watching this. And this wasn't too complex. Like when we eventually get to Hilarious House of Frightenstein, do you remember the physicist? I love the physicist. The physicist was an actual physics professor at U of T, yeah, University I'm of Toronto. Like, holy shit. You know, like, yeah, as a five year old, you're not going to get the math. But he taught serious science, like junior oh, high level. Favorite. Yeah, junior high level physics. The one thing, like, yeah, these are all, a lot of them are toy commercials, but they were not afraid to educate, yeah. even if it was in little bitty bits. Like, you could go and type in Schoolhouse Rocks into, into YouTube. They're all on there and randomly choose one, and you'll probably learn a little something. You can actually buy, I mean, I'm not sure if they're still available, but like, you could get all these on DVD. And there isn't a parent out there, I wouldn't say, yeah, show these to your kid. There's some education there. Your boy is nine, so he's past this. But, you know, a, a kid who's 
say, I would say five to eight. There's some honest to God education to be had here. Yeah, you can still buy it. I I would suggest downloading it. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's on YouTube. If, if you really want a DVD these days, you, 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 you can still do it. Yeah, I, I have it somewhere. So the next one, we're only ever going to play the intro to it, which I should note was also the intro music for <laughs> Siskel and Ebert's first show. They use the same music, which is kind of funny. But this is Max, the 2,000-year-old mouse. And this is your one. This is yours. Yeah. So anything you want to say about it before we watch it? I was just the first cartoon after the test pattern. So it's got, I, I don't know if it was really that good, but it's got a special place in my heart. Yeah, it's one of those early ones. You'd see it, you know, you know, right up before Rocket Robin Hood or one of the Looney Tunes shows. Yeah. So the one we're going to watch is Paul Revere. And I'll say in advance that we can't we can't play this one because there's some racist shit going on there. And I'm not putting that in my podcast. Yeah, I think if you had picked a different episode, there might have been less racism, but still. I chose it because it seemed interesting. It's just it's the one we chose. So let's go ahead and oh, I guess the vital statistics first. Vital statistics. So this was these were all made in 1967 in one shot. There were 104 of these. And they were shown on TV as recently as 1992 in the UK. And they were made by Grand Trey Lawrence Animation, which is funny because it's a Canadian firm. These are, even though a lot of them, like a great many of them are American history, this was a Canadian-made cartoon. But I'm guessing they did this because it was the only damn way they could uh, they could sell it. But uh, yeah, this was this was Canadian made. So let's go ahead and play that one. some of the most valuable pieces of art and history that we have. These beautiful silver bowls and goblets were made by the famous American patriot, Paul Revere. Tell him about the ride. Tell him about the ride. I was there, you know. Of course, Paul Revere is most famous for a ride he made. I told you. You'll see. He couldn't have done it without me. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's good history. I mean, it's... You know, I'm not sure how accurate it is because I don't know much about the American Revolution or Paul Revere, but no, it is neat, though. Like, I mean, how many of these did you see? Did I see that you just sort of it's, you know, it's five minutes. So we watch it and it's neat and it's not detailed, but it's a little bit of history, just a bit. It's neat that there's I don't think that's something you saw really after the 80s, which was sort of educational television inserted that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had like. There was always educational TV, but mostly it was garbage, right? Like, yeah, at least um, nobody wanted to watch it, yeah. Yeah, except for, like, Bill Nye, the science guy. Oh, well, yeah, that doesn't... Because he was his own thing. Like, he was... Yeah, it's Bill, because he Bill was Nye a, is... He was a performer. I never liked him. I was too old. Like, by that point, I sort of moved on. I wasn't really watching television anymore. He you was know, a big thing at my house. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty cool guy. I mean, he's he's actually very involved with the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. He, he does a lot of stuff with them. But, uh, cool. yeah. So the next one we're going to do is Gummy Bears. The Adventures of Gummy Bears was a Disney show. It, it's kind of weird. It, it, sh- it showed on NBC and then ABC. So I'm guessing Buena Vista, which is like 
the TV production arm, well, and the movie production arm of Disney in the 80s and 90s, I guess they just changed contracts with which, which network they were using. Of course, I think ABC is actually owned by Disney now. So the, the cartoon played longer than I thought. It was 85 to 90. And oh, wow. Yeah, and I, I, for whatever reason, forgot to write down how many episodes there were. This one is only 11 minutes long, so I'm guessing this is one of those shows that did segments like the Smurfs, where it would be like two segments per episode. Don't remember. So you picked this one, so wanna you want to say anything in advance of us watching it? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't no. know. It was, it's, hmm. Well, you know, it. I mean, okay, let's just get, let's just watch it and we'll go from there. Okay, so this is episode 139, A Tree Grows in Dunwim. Dashing and daring, courageous and caring, faithful and friendly with stories to share. All through the forest they sing out in chorus, marching along as their song fills the air. Gummy bears bouncing here and there and of gummy berry juice and the legend is growing they take pride in knowing the fight for what's right and whatever they do gummy bears bouncing here and there and everywhere high adventure that's beyond compare they are the gummy bears they are the gummy bears so um what do you want to say about this one? It's cute and it's fun and it's for little kids. As I noticed when we were watching it, it's like first off, it's got that Disney polish. The yeah. animation's really, really nice. It's cleaner. It's like it's more frames, so it's smoother. The voice work, the writing, like it's it really is a cut above the Sunbow stuff, which is good. Don't get me wrong. You know, GI Joe, I like Transformers, I like. Even Visionaries looks okay, even if I thought it was kind of lame. But you know, it's. It has its look, but Disney is just a cut above. So it's not surprising when they got into Saturday morning morning cartoons with gummy bears and, and ducktails and all those. It's not a surprise that it's a, you know, it's it's a cut above. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. It is for little kids. Like this is for seven-year-olds. This is not, this is not for the, the same kids who are watching G.I. Joe. You know, there's, there's no deep thinking going on in this one. Well, it's not so much that. It's, it's very gentle. Yeah. You know, everyone learns their lesson and everyone is nice. And even the bad guys, they're not trying to rule the world or kill you with scorpions or their death ray. They're just like they're thieves and they're meanies. You know, they're not evil. They're mean. They're bad table manners. Yeah. You know, I think maybe I was I mean, I watched like I said while we were watching this, I did see these now and again, but I wasn't going out of my way saying I, I got to I got to watch gummy bears. I think I'd sort of tuned out because these would tend to be. I'm not even sure when these were on. I think sort of later in the day, like later in the morning. Or maybe I just was ignoring yeah, them. Global Afternoons with Mike Sobel. Okay. Maybe. Um, I, don't, I don't remember. I said I, uh, mostly I remember the, the theme song, frankly, more than I remembered the show. And the fact that they bounced around a lot when they drank their, I don't know, their energy drink or whatever. Gummy, it is, gummy right? berry juice. Gummy berry juice. Red, red, red Bull for, uh, for bears, I guess. But uh, yeah. So the last one we're going to watch is actually from 1969 to 1978, and that's the original Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? 
And this show, like Scooby Doo, is still on. Like there are still cartoons. Yeah, they're they're still making movies. You know, the difference is that here, it's a highly skeptical show. Even in the eighties, like there was a cartoon in the eighties. A few of them. There's that one with Scrappy Doo, which I never liked. And there was the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, which included Vincent Price, if you remember. Um, oh, cool though. Yeah, it was just the idea that uh, two ghosts convinced the gang to, or part of the gang, to release 13 big bad ghosts. And so this, the whole overarching story was them hunting down these, well, 13 ghosts. But in the original Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, it's never a ghost. It's never an alien. It's never a monster. It's always old man Hickersmith with, you know, his costume on. And I really like that because, you know, it, it was about compiling evidence and then proving a theory even though it was all silly stuff. It's I a for you meddling kids. Yeah, well, yeah, and, but at the same time, it taught a generation of kids that crazy, weird, paranormal uh, idea, like um, solutions were probably not the right ones. That there was yeah. probably something else going on there. Look closer, yeah. Yeah, look closer, exactly. I mean, even in G.I. Joe, there are ghost episodes and there's an episode where they 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 meet the gods of Egypt and all these sorts of silly shit. These guys had none of that. It's never a ghost. Uh, no, it's it's, true. it's never a monster. And as goofy as this show is, and it is very goofy, it teaches skepticism, mm -hmm. you know, scientific skepticism, not denial skepticism. So I chose uh, actually I chose the pilot, which is what a night for a night. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, this was made by Hanna-Barbera. And if you were a 60s cartoon guy, you Flintstones, Jetsons, Laugh Olympics, all those shows, that's all Hanna-Barbera. That was, and it's very much their style of, of animation. Like, it's a very specific style of animation. Yeah. Um, by the way, did you know that uh, George Jetson was born in July of this year? I did not. <laughs> yeah, they, I actually tweeted that one out. Um, at some point they list his birthday and it's like July something, 2022. So that's Where, kind of cool. Where's my flying car then? Yeah, no kidding. Where's my rocket pack? It's actually the name of a really good book. So let's watch. This will be our final one. Let's watch Scooby-Doo. Where are you ready to go? Yeah. Also the coolest opening music we have. <laughs> So, yeah, that cartoon, like you said, it's it's all scientific skepticism. Hypothesis, there's a ghost. Or in this case, a ghost knight. And, you know, then you <laughs> present evidence. And then in the end, we disprove the hypothesis because, you know, inevitably someone has an accident and they uncover the guy. But it's, it, it's kind of in its own slick way. Uh, it's a scientific exercise. I like that. Yeah. You know, it's... 
And it's and you may not realize it watching it unless you pay attention. I know they they used to talk on the Skeptics Guide to the Universe, a great podcast. They they even they mentioned it a few times. It's like, yeah, this this teaches kids that there's always a real explanation. You just have to follow the evidence, and I like that. Um, you know, though as we talked, it's the uh, you know the um, the laugh track is a little much, but <laughs> you know it's the it's the comedy convention of the time, Hanna Barbera. You know, started with the Flintstones, which is the 1960s version of the Honeymooners, which was in front of a studio audience. Comedies were done in front of audiences that actually laughed. And in yeah. the end, it was cheaper and easier to use a laugh track because you didn't have to worry about having an audience not want to laugh after the, you know, take 12. Mm-hmm. When you could just add the laugh track later, it made way more sense. And you also didn't have to wait for the audience to stop laughing so you could carry on with the dialogue. And so that follows into cartoons. But I, I can't think of a cartoon after this one that ever had a laugh track. Like, I think other than Hanna-Barbera, like it becomes a trope for them. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't really think of another one. No. And, and again, I think it just became part of their style. Hmm. Like, I remember the Jetsons had a second run in the 80s. And it did not, I don't think it had a laugh track. I think they gave up on that. Because by then, even MASH had given up on the laugh track. But yeah, like Scooby-Doo, I mean, that's still around. It is still a thing. I mean, I've got a Hot Wheels mystery machine. I bought this two years ago. Like, it was made in, let's see what year, if I can actually read the damn thing, 2012. In 2012, they replicated a 1969 toy, and people bought this. Yeah, well, yeah. the movie came out about then too, though, right? Well, those oh, those are much older. Those those are they? with Matthew Lillard and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Those were like early two thousands. Oh, but I mean, there's endless amounts of cartoon movies. I mean, the like the straight to DVD. There must be twenty or thirty. Well, of those. there's a more recent one than that. Than that, Scoob. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's where like it's where Shaggy meets Scooby. I tried watching it; I was kind of bored. It's like it's all computer animation. Like we you know, we were talking about the animation and the fact that they they reuse a lot of the cell animation. You're it's the same, you know, when when they run, it's always the same animation. But that's because these were had to be hand drawn, and they had to be done cheaply. I don't think there's any animation that's done hand drawn anymore. Even the Disney's. I mean, when was the last hand drawn Disney? Probably the ones mm-hmm. in the '90s. Yeah, maybe. Like. The, like Tarzan and the end of those at the end of their, like their Renaissance, like the sort of when they sort of came back with little mermaid and all of those, those were hand drawn, but they were already starting to use computers, you know, but this, I mean, it's 1969 and, you know, but sort of to sum up this whole episode half, I mean, if you look at what we've done, so let's go back into my, so GI Joe, mid eighties, visionaries, late eighties, mid to late eighties, Schoolhouse Rock, 70s, uh, Max the 2,000-Year-Old Mouse, 60s, The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, 80s, Scooby-Doo, 60s, and so well, 69 to 78. Almost half, you know, half of what we watched wasn't actually made in the 80s. No, but we, we watched it in the 80s. We watched it, and I didn't look at it and say, oh, this isn't new, this isn't cool. You know what I mean? Like... Th- those were like Max, the 2000 year old mouse was just as good in 1980 when I watched them. And I remember seeing them as they probably were when they came out, even though the, you know, the, uh, the animation wasn't awesome. I mean, it was really just sketches, right? But 
uh, in fact, I think it was all just sketches except for the little bits of the mouse. I think that sort of changed because if you look at cartoons in the 90s, they're kind of lame, but they're all new. Like, I don't recall any 80s cartoons showing in the 90s. Certainly no 60s or 70s cartoons. The one exception being Schoolhouse Rock because they added new ones. But I'll note they kept the exact same style. The same, like they didn't, like they cleaned it up a bit, but it's the same art yeah, style. It's the same, same style, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of these, like you can, it's kind of interesting to watch because we've watched sort of the history of animation, even the Battle of the Planets, which, um, you know, our, our listeners are probably wondering what the hell happened there. I chose a poor episode, so we'll be redoing that one. Yeah. Um, but, we, but we did watch a Planet of the, a Battle of the Planets episode. Yeah, I want to try that one again. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I wasn't on, you know, drugs watching that because I didn't understand a goddamn thing that happened. Mickey Deal, you're going to pick the episode and we're yeah. going to do it. But yeah, but with the exception of that one, which is a Japanese, these are all North American made. I mean, I have no idea where they were physically produced. Some of them, I imagine, were done in Japan at, you know, like animation studios, but they're all American. Well, and Canadian, which is, let's be honest, American anyway. Max, the 2,000-year-old mouse, it's a Canadian show, but it, it's all American history, so, you know. You want, you want Canadian history, you got to watch the heritage moments. All I wanted was to see a movie. One down, please. I can't sell downstairs tickets to you people. How dare they? I could afford to buy the more expensive ticket. I run my own business. <laughs> but they refuse to take my money. They left me there all night. On what charge? They said I didn't pay the theater tax. But it was really about color. Sister Desmond, appeal this conviction and your community will stand behind you. Do you have any idea what this will do to us? So what are you going to do? Make it right. Viola Desmond's case inspired Nova Scotia's civil rights movement. She was pardoned 63 years later based on the injustice of her conviction. Some of those are pretty awesome, and the memes that I are made out of, yeah, and the, and the memes you find on Twitter uh, of some of the the more goofier shit recently, they're, they're pretty funny too. But yeah. uh, we should we should do we should do uh, hinterland who's who and there was a time when beaver lodges like this one and the busy beavers that build them had almost disappeared from Canada because of over trapping. But the beaver, who will always be associated with Canada's early days, has been reintroduced into many areas and it's made a successful comeback. The beaver builds dams because he has to store his winter's food in water deep enough not to freeze. With all the woodcutting that the beaver has to do, it's fortunate that his incisor teeth never stop growing. For a more complete story of the beaver, why not contact the Canadian Wildlife Service in Ottawa? You know, it's funny, when we were chatting earlier, I said, if we had been able to do this instead of remotely, if we've been able to do it in person, we should have done this at six in the morning in our pajamas, sitting on the floor between the couch and the table with cereal. Yeah. And then, and then I would have woven in commercials and turned this into one, like one long video. It would have awesome. absolutely been worth it. Unfortunately, you had to do some adulting stuff, so that didn't happen. But that's, yeah, I know, right? But... This has been kind of neat, and we're going to do this again because we've got He-Man, the Smurfs. I think maybe we'll dump the Smurfs and replace it with uh, Battle of the Planets, but a good one. Um, <laughs> Inspector Gadget we want to do. Transformers you wanted to do. 
Initially, I was going to do Transformers and G.I. Joe, but I realized it's kind of the same thing. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say about Transformers. And we're going to finish off with Hilarious House of Frightenstein, which isn't a cartoon, but it's still an 80s thing, even though it's yeah. a 70s thing. Those it's, also... it's as close to a cartoon as live action gets. Absolutely. And it's it's one of the most interesting things to ever uh it's one of the most interesting shows to learn about how they made it. So any final thoughts on your experience with 80s cartoons? They all held up. I love them all to this day. Do you honestly think they all hold up? Yeah. Really? Okay, fair enough. I and, and I would agree. I think G.I. Joe is goofy as it is, it's fine. Max I'm going to say that one didn't show up. There's some racist stuff in there. Like, that's why we're not playing it, even though it's... That episode was was a bit, yeah. Yeah, me Indian, me do rain dance. Like, oh, God. Yeah, no, you can't. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you can't show those. But Schoolhouse Rocks, I mean, the fact is, there are teachers today who still use those because they are good. Interplanet Janet, okay, it's not a planet anymore. Maybe they'll make a new one on why it isn't a planet anymore. Interplanet Janet 2, the sequel, I don't know. Neptune's, Neptune has rings in it sideways. Yeah. It was a dwarf planet, not a real planet. Yeah. Eh, it's, you know. But yeah, it's, um, you, hey, it'd make an interesting song trying to define what a planet is based on the International Astronomical Union. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, these cartoons, like we did D&D earlier and, and notable things. One, they're violent and yet no one dies because that's how we appeased uh, the parents. The one thing we forgot to mention with G.I. Joe is they had to have a public service announcement at the end, you know, knowing is after the battle. That kept the parents off them. Boy, what a great campsite. Yeah, here's more wood for the fire. No, my balls are on fire. Run for the stream. Don't run. Here, let me wrap this around you. You okay? Lucky thing you were around, spirit. Lucky thing you didn't run. Remember, running only makes the fire worse. If your clothes catch fire, wrap yourself in a rug or blanket. And roll on the ground to smother the flames. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! They're all kind of educational. They try to be. They pretend to be. G.I. Joe had the, the, you know, the knowing is half the battle. Scooby-Doo was, you know, taught skepticism. Schoolhouse Rocks you know, taught all sorts of stuff. Max taught history. Even Gummy Bears teaches a lesson on how to be a good person. I'm not sure cartoons do that anymore. They don't try to teach anything anymore. At least they don't pretend to try. And all, all I can think of now is like Kim Possible. That's very new though, isn't it? Isn't it like 2000s? No, 90s. Kim Possible? Yeah. I've never seen that one. Admittedly, I don't watch cartoons anymore, but... They had a naked, they had a naked mole rat. As a, well, as you know, car- cartoons these days... Are, and I think this really started with like Aladdin. They're made as much for adults as they are for kids. They recognize adults are going to watch them, so they try to make them a little more clever, a little more sophisticated. Nothing. Oh, right. we... It was two thousands. Oh, there you go. Um, none of these cartoons had any intention of appealing to adults. It would never have occurred to anyone who wrote these that an adult would would choose to watch this unless they were sitting with their children. That's a really good point. You know, whereas cartoons these days, there's a He-Man cartoon that came out. It was written for people who watched He-Man in the 80s, right? Really? That Kevin that Kevin Smith cartoon, the one that was on Netflix. I've never seen it, but it was written for adults. Let's be perfectly honest. You haven't seen it. I saw the Shira one. It was really good. Okay. Well, I'm the a- fact is you, like me, are pushing 50 and you watched a cartoon called Shira, ra <laughs> You and you like <laughs> but But that's the point, right? Watching The Viper is Coming with its shaggy dog story, that's a toddler joke. 
it's a, yeah, it's a campfire story. We 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 acted that out in a skit at, yeah. at guides. Exactly. These are kids' shows, whereas today the cartoons they know adults are going to watch them. Our generation is going to watch them. Like there is a, a Scooby-Doo cartoon called Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which I totally recommend. And it is made for people our age who watched that cartoon as a kid, including, you know, I would have gotten away for it if not for you darn kids. Literally every episode, they find a way to have the bad guy say that in awesome. some form or another. And in it, Fred is obsessed with traps, like pathologically obsessed with traps. Why? Because he makes all these, in, in a lot of these shows, in a lot of these cartoons, he sets up traps to catch the bad guy. So uh, they made that cartoon, which was in the mid 2010s, they made it specifically to appeal to us who remember that original 60s. So it's made with a wink and a nod. Cool. But the ones we watched as kids, they were made for kids. Yeah, they, you know? there was no expectation that our parents no. were in the room. No. Well, if they were, they were either reading the newspaper or they were sitting there and watching because they wanted to see what you watch, but it was not for them. No. I mean, I think I think I told you when we did uh, when we watched Transformers, the movie, all the adults left the theater and hung out in the lobby and oh, smoked. Yeah. This was the 80s that... after all. But it was an it was a you know, it was a theater full of kids. That was it. Also, they had the volume way too loud, but that was a different matter. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think we'll leave it there and hopefully do this again. And... Yeah. 